Well, today we're starting a brand new series called Stand Out. And uh, we're going to look at some really interesting characters through the Bible through the next five or so weeks and uh, uh, some characters who stood out. So uh, we have a friend uh, who uh, visits Generation Church and comes and speaks occasionally. His name is J.R. Briggs. And uh, um, last year he, uh, uh, he was teaching some of us uh, about just some teaching techniques and uh, uh, basically how to, to teach in a church setting and things like that. And one of the things he said was uh, uh, where the clothes that you wear should always be like just plain so you're not bringing attention to your clothes that people are really hearing what you say but as it's a standout series today I thought I would wear a standout kind of shirt today so this is my summer shirt it's July uh, 2nd 3rd July 3rd it's snowball day now June I'm sorry Missing a whole month. It's snowball day, so summer's out, so I'm wearing my summer shirt. Anyway, but we're starting a brand new series today, um, and I've got some pictures I, I want to show you um, that uh, we, we can put on the screen. And have you ever seen some of those motivational pictures uh, saying that if you want to stand out from the crowd, then you need to be different from the crowd? You see it a lot in the business world. They talk about it in college and things like that. So, But, but you, you see a picture here, and uh, you, you see... Uh, Hopefully what you see is uh, your eye is drawn to the uh, red tulip, right? Because it's just a different color. And so it's distinguishing itself from all the other tulips in the field. Let's take a look at the next picture. Uh, this one uh, is distinguishing itself because it's a sharpened pencil. And if you were to uh, uh, bring that into like a, a business context or uh, so, talking to someone in, in college about their career, it's like you need to be sharper than the rest because you will stand out if you are sharper uh, than the rest. But your eye is drawn to the sharpened pencil, not the blunt uh, pencils. Uh, let's take a look at the, the next picture. And uh, the, I like this one because I like penguins. Uh, penguins is like one of my favorite animals. I don't know why, but uh, maybe because I like walk like a penguin sometimes. I'm not sure. But uh, I, I like penguins. But, but your eye is drawn to the pretty penguin, right? The beautiful penguin, not so much the... Uh, the, the, just the plain, bland uh, other penguins. And in life, you know, we, if we want to stand out, we need to be more beautiful than the rest, or we need to, uh, we, we need to look different than the rest, I, I should say. Well, let's take a look at, at the next picture. Uh, so here you could see a matchstick that's lit. It's actually using its purpose. And so if you want to stand out in the world, then a motivational speak would say you need to find your purpose and you need to live in your purpose because all the others in life are just not living out their purpose. And that's the difference with that matchstick that's lit up. It's actually doing what it was supposed to do. Let's take a, a, a look at the, the next one. And I just thought I'd just put this one in for you Star Wars fans. And uh, so it's pretty awesome. And uh, I just thought, you know, I don't really have a motivational thing to say about that. But <laughs> it's just pretty awesome. Well, we're going to stop there. We've got one more picture in a minute to show you. But very often, the people who make the biggest impact in life are those in our world who stand out from the rest. You think about companies that stand out from the rest. You've got like Apple, who st stood out so much more than Commodore or IBM, and now they're they're a huge company who have made a huge difference in a lot of people's lives. You you think of companies like Google. 
uh, who, who were just so different to, uh, what was it, AOL and, uh, and UltraVista and all these other search engines. They, they, they were just so different. These companies that have stood out and made a difference in life. You think about people who have stood out and made a difference. Yeah, people like Martin Luther King Jr. or Rosa Parks who stood out and stood up against extreme racism and injustice and they made a huge difference because they decided to stand out from the rest. Yeah, think about people like Mother Teresa or Florence Nightingale through their just self-sacrificing stood out from the rest to care for others. And, uh, and you look back and think what wonderful, great people they were. And as believers of Jesus Christ, if we truly want to embrace what Jesus was all about, then we ultimately need to stand out from the rest. We should be different. We should not look like everybody else. We should not think like everybody else. We should not talk like everybody else. There should be something that separates us from the crowd. Followers of Jesus must choose to stand up and stand out when it is much more comfortable and easy to blend in with the crowd. So, but the problem is with a, a lot of Christians is it's hard to stand out. It's easy to blend in. And sometimes we think, well, we are different because we, we, we may come to a church on a Sunday morning or we are different because we believe in God and uh, we have a Bible in our home. Uh, we, 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 we may think, well, we are different because we don't cuss like the others or cuss as much as the others and for some of you and we don't drink like the others or drink as much as the others you know we don't do the things like everyone else does but this is the problem with so many Christians and I got one more picture for you and this is the problem with so many Christians where's Waldo right where's Waldo just a, an interesting fact, in the UK we had these as well, but it wasn't called Where's Waldo, it was actually called Where's Wally. And so uh, when I came here, I'm like, who's Waldo? I'm like, I'm looking for Wally, I don't know where Waldo is. But anyway, but that's the problem. So Waldo's in there somewhere, but you have to look and you have to look hard. And if anyone points him out and finds him, then you've got some amazing sight because I can't even see it. You can see it. But that's the problem. So many of us are like Waldo. We are different, but we're so hidden within our culture that people can't see us immediately. And if people are looking for us, it may take them a while. Eventually, they'll see us, but we don't stand out from the rest of the crowd. And so that's what this series is all about. We're going to talk about what we need to do to stand out from the crowd, to stand out from the rest, so that people can see that we are followers of Jesus, and that we do have a difference to make in this, in this life. Jesus called us to be the light of the world, to be the salt of the world. And we need to be different. So you can take that off because everyone's just still trying to find Waldo. <laughs> I see you. I see you. So this morning what we're going to do, we're going to look at a story of a remarkable young man who stood out from the rest of his peers. And as he stood out from the rest of his peers, he stood out for his nation and he brought peace to his nation. His name is Gideon. 
And if you've got any kind of uh, like Bible knowledge at all, and you know a little bit about the Bible, then you probably know the story of Gideon, or you've heard of Gideon. And this is probably what you're thinking when you hear Gideon. Oh, wasn't he the guy who had an army and got whittled the army down to only a few, and he went against one of the other nations and he defeated them, uh, and it showed that God was with him, and he only had like 300 soldiers. And if you're thinking that, that's the guy. But most of us, that's all that we think about when we think about Gideon. Because that, 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 that was his like crescendo in life. Like, I am the guy who led 300 men against the mighty armies of the Midianites it was that he fought against. But this morning, we're not really going to look at his story of his fight against the Midianites. About him leading an army to war. We're going to look at something else that many people don't even know about Gideon in his life. Something that happened way before he was able to lead the armies of Israel against the Midianites. We're going to talk about a victory that happened in his own life. That a moment in his own life when he decided to stand out from the rest. He stood up and stood, stood out from the rest. He was brave enough to stand out and it all started in his own home. Because he was brave enough to stand up. And call out what was wrong in his own home. And if we all want to be true disciples of Jesus, then we have to start standing out and we have to start standing out at home. And calling out what's wrong in our own home, if there are things wrong in our own home. So let's get some backstory to this. If you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6 is an Old Testament book. You will find it. It's what the seventh book of the Old Testament. So you've got uh, Genesis, Exodus, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. And then after Joshua, we've got Judges. So Judges chapter 6. And uh, I'm going to start reading at verse 1, and this is what it says. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops... Marauders from Midian, Amalek, and people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes, coming with their livestock in tents, were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord, your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. But you have not listened 
to me. So Israel is in one of those dark moments in their history where they have forsaken God, they've forgotten about God, and calamity has happened. They are weak in comparison to their neighboring countries. They've been picked on, they've been bullied, and the Midianites have taken advantage and invaded the land, causing great oppression. The people of Israel do not have the crops and the livestock that they once had because the people of Midian have come and taken them. So much so that the people of Israel were even hiding in caves and hiding in rocks in fear. That's a pretty bad place to be, right? When you leave your home and you go hide in a cave or in a rock, and we're not talking about a man cave, you know, Talking about a real cave, you know, that's dark, that's got bats and spiders and, you know, stuff like that. That's, that's the kind of cave. It's a pretty bad place to be in where you have to leave your home and you have to go hide in a cave. The result of this oppression is that Israel have been ambushed. They've not only been ambushed concerning their prosperity and their possessions, but they've also been ambushed concerning their faith as well. The Midianites have suppressed Israel economically by taking their crops and their livestock, but they've also suppressed them spiritually by infiltrating their false worship of their false god called Baal. And now... The worship of the true God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, Yahweh worship is not happening in Israel anymore. Instead, people are turning their attentions to the worship of the false God, Baal. So there's a young man called Gideon who comes on the scene. And Gideon is the guy who comes and saves Israel from the Midianites. He's the guy who comes and brings peace to Israel and, and, and brings prosperity both economically and spiritually back to Israel. And there were five things I'm going to pull out today from Gideon's story. Five choices that Gideon made that I believe if we have the same kind of spirit as Gideon and we make the same kind of decisions we can see a lot of peace in our lives and lots of peace in our homes and peace in our communities. So let's take a look at what happened to Gideon. So the first thing that I'm going to pull out from Gideon's story is this, is that Gideon found his identity through God. He found his identity through God. This is what it says in Judges chapter 6, verses 11 to 16. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abazi. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, the Gideon replied, Sir Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord has brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord ha has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. 
Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in strength with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. We see here in, in this conversation. So the people of Israel called out to God, God, come help us. God says, look, you're in this situation because you've turned your backs on me. But God comes and sends an angel. And an angel comes and sits by a tree and sees Gideon. And comes up to Gideon and says, Gideon, you are the man that will save your nation. But the problem is for Gideon, Gideon's identity has been formed by what culture has told him he is. Notice what he was doing in the very beginning when the angel met him. He was hiding. Why was he hiding? Because he was fearful that the Midianites would come. So he was hiding and he was threshing the weeds in the wine press, at the bottom of the wine press, so the Midianites would not catch him. He was scared. His identity was wrapped around in fear. Not, not only that, we also see some other things that Gideon was, found his identity in. He says this, God, why have you abandoned us? He says, why, why even choose me? My family's the least and the weakest, and I'm the least in my family. See, th this is what Gideon is, is perceiving himself as. Culture is defining his identity, and he is embracing his cultural identity. And this is his cultural identity. God has forgotten us. My family is the weakest. I am the least significant. Now, when you think about yourself, what do you think? What's your identity? Maybe it's, I've got too much of a bad background for God to ever use me. I'm not smart enough. I'm not rich enough. I don't have enough influence. I, I, I'm just not outgoing enough. Or I'm too outgoing I can't open my mouth enough, or I can't shut my mouth enough. What has culture defined your identity as? See, God comes along, and through the angel, he hears all that Gideon is saying, God, well, you've abandoned us. You can't use me because I'm the least, and, I'm the, and we're the weakest. You can't use us, and God comes, no, Gideon. Your identity should not be through the, what culture is telling you it is. Your identity should be through me. And God comes with a completely different look on Gideon. He sees Gideon in a totally different way. And this is what God calls him. He says, you are a hero. A hero. He hasn't done anything yet. Like, if I'm calling someone a hero, they must have done something pretty good to be a hero. But he hasn't done anything, but God says, Hey, mighty hero. God is also saying, I am with you. Remember, culture defined God has abandoned us. Now God is saying, My ident your identity through me is God is with you. 
His identity through God is he is strong and he is significant. Gideon's problem was he thought they were the weakest and the least. But God is saying, no, you are strong and you are significant. And it was Gideon's decision to listen to what God calls him that made all the difference. See, if Gideon decided to get his identity through culture, then he would have never become the mighty hero that he became. But he started to listen to what God was telling him. And you will never be able to stand out when you get your identity from what this world tries to shape you as. Standout followers of Jesus get their identity and significance from who God calls them to be. The second thing that Gideon did was Gideon believed. Gideon believed. Let's take a look at what what happened here. Verse 17, it says, Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you, he answered. I will stay here until you return. Gideon hurried home. He cooked a young goat with a basket of flour. He made some, um, some bread without yeast. Then carrying the meat in the basket and the broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. The angel of God said to him, place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock, and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the bread with the tip of the staff in his hand, and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, Oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. It is all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid. You will not die. See, once we understand who we are in God, who we are in Jesus Christ, that our identity is not what this world is trying to form us, but how God is trying to form us, Then it comes the matter of trusting God. And many of us, including myself, are just like Gideon. So the angel comes and says, you are a mighty hero. God is with you. You are strong and significant. And this is what Gideon says. Hold on a moment. Let me just double check. Let me get an assurance here. Let me, let me just do a quick test. If you really are God, then I want you to prove it to me. So like the majority of us who have faith, but it's not like blind, no fear faith. faith I'm following God no matter what God said, it, I do it. Most of us are like, mm, was it God or was it the pizza, right? What is God saying? Is that really God? Am I hearing God? And so he goes and cooks a meal and he brings it back to the angel and the angel lights it with fire. Just with the staff in his hand, lights it with fire. Suddenly Gideon realizes that it is the Lord. Actually, you'll find throughout Gideon's life, he has a habit of saying to God, I believe you. 
but show me a sign. I believe you, but show me a sign. And he's no different in this situation. God, if you are who you say I am, then show me that it is you. Have you ever felt like that? Ever prayed that prayer? God, if this is you, show me. And he makes this meal, and the angel lights it up. Immediately, Gideon believed. Gideon believed that this was God's. Now, what did Gideon believe? Well, this is what I believe that Gideon believed. He believed that God was with him. He believed that God was for him. And he believed in whom God was calling him. And if you ever want to do anything significant for God in your life, if you ever want to be a standout believer of Jesus Christ, who stands out from the crowd like Jesus has called us to, then there's three things you have to know and you have to believe in your heart. You have to believe that God is with you. You have to believe that God is for you. And you have to believe without a shadow of doubt in whom God has called you to be. And this is what happened with Gideon. Suddenly he realized, wow, God is with me. And not only God is with me, but God is for me. God's going to fight for me. And then suddenly, and this was probably the hardest, he suddenly started to believe not in what the culture of his age was calling him, but he started to believe in whom God was calling him. Remember, he lived his life as the least and insignificant. And God was saying, no, you are a hero. You are strong and significant. And suddenly he starts believing in God's voice. And so let's move on. The third choice that Gideon made, he built peace before he saw peace. He built peace before he saw peace. So then the angel disappears. Suddenly he's trembling and saying, I've seen the face of the angel of God face to face. God's going to strike me down. And God says, fear not. Don't worry. I'm with you. And then verse 24, it says, And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom which means the Lord is peace. The altar remains there to this day. Probably not anymore, but when this guy, whoever was writing Judges, wrote it. I think this verse is the most significant and important verse in Gideon's life. It shapes his whole life story. Gideon decided to stand out for God when no one else was around. In a moment, we're going, to start, we're going to see that God stood out for Gideon when everyone was around. But in this moment, it is just Gideon and God. And Gideon has a choice to make. And what does Gideon do? In this moment, just him and God, he decides to get some rocks and starts building an altar and calls it Yahweh Shalom. The Lord is peace. The Lord is peace. See, this is what I know. It is what you do in private that shapes what happens in public. What happens when it's just you and God? 
for Gideon before he asked God, okay, God, I'm the hero, I'm significant, I'm strong, I'm going to be the guy that leads our nation against the Midianites. Before, if it was me, I'd be like, okay, God, what's next? What do I need to do? What training do I need? Who do I need to recruit? Like, what, 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 what needs to go on? Before he did any of that, the Bible says he built an altar of, to the Lord and declared it the place of peace. In the middle of anything but peace, Gideon declared peace. See, he personally found peace in his heart. And now he made it his goal to work for peace in his nation. And as believers of Jesus, our goal is always peace. Helping people find peace with God and bringing peace to others. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9, Jesus is on the Sermon on the Mount and he starts giving these what they call the Beatitudes. And in the Beatitudes, Jesus says this, he says, God blesses those who work for peace or God blesses the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God. And the standout for Christ, don't just pray for peace, they build peace. So I ask you, are you building peace? Are you building peace? Are you building peace in your heart? Are you building peace with others? When no one else is around and it's just you and God, are you like Gideon building an altar in your life of peace towards God? See, it wasn't what he did in public. It's what he did in private that matters. So he built peace before he saw peace. And then the next step and the next decision that he made was this. Gideon made peace by not keeping the peace. He made peace by not keeping the peace. Let's take a look at what happens next. Judges 6.25 it says this. That night the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull of your father's herd, the one that is seven years old. Pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on the hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as the burnt offering on the altar, using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord had commanded. But he did it at night because he was afraid that the other members of his father's household and the people of the town. Early the next morning, the people of the town began to stir. Someone discovered that the altar of Baal had been broken down and that the Asherah pole beside it had been cut down. In their place, a new altar had been built and on it, the remains of the bull that had been sacrificed. The people said to each other, who did this? And after asking around and making a careful search, they learned that it was Gideon, the son of Joash. Bring out your son, the men of the town demanded to Joash. He must die for destroying the altar of Baal and for cutting down the Asherah pole. But Joash shouted to the mob that confronted him, Why are you defending Baal? Will you agree his case? Whoever pleads his case will be put to death by morning. 
If Baal truly is God, let him defend himself and destroy the one who broke down this altar. From then on, Gideon was called Jeroboam, which means let Baal defend himself because he broke down Baal's altar. So Gideon takes one of his father's prize bulls. He calls the bull. He prepares it. And then he goes to his father's altar to Baal, destroys it. And then there was another idol called the Asherah pole that they cut down. And then he rebuilt the altar to the Lord and he made a sacrifice to God. Let me tell you, I think this is one of the bravest things or the bravest stories the Bible shows. You got your David and Goliaths. You know, you got your Moses going to the Red Seas. But they were seen as heroes. That they were seen as, you know, that they were valiant in what they were doing. But here was Gideon standing all by himself. Nobody else in his town, in his family, believed in what Gideon was about to do. They were all worshipping false gods. And one of the bravest things a person can do is to hurt those they love if those they love are destroying peace. Gideon's father was so wrapped up in the cultural decline of Yahweh worship that actually he built an altar to Baal. Without knowing it, Gideon's father built a wall that stopped peace. The one thing he desired, Gideon's father, in life was peace. But his actions, influenced by the cultural pull of the day, caused him to build an altar that took him further and further away from peace. But then here comes Gideon in his newfound identity, makes the bravest decision of his young life to tear down his, what his father has built. Gideon proceeds, destroys the, uh, the altar of Baal and the local places of Baal worship, replaces it with the altar of God, and then suddenly there's a bounty on his head. But this is what happened. He stood out from the rest and declared the peace of God. And there was uproar and anger. This is what I know about peace. We're called to be peacemakers. Making peace is not keeping the peace. And if we are to stand out for Jesus Christ, sometimes by making peace, we have to call up war and even anger. True peace is not the absence of conflict. True peace is bringing God into the situation. And we live in a culture that is anti-God. We live in a world that is pushing itself further and further away from God. Just like Gideon's father and the town and Israel at the time were pushing themselves further away from God. We live in a culture right now in 2019 that is pushing away from God. 
whether they are a Republican or a Democrat, whether they are a conservative or a liberal, it doesn't matter. They are pushing and pushing and pushing away from God. And so as believers of Jesus Christ, we are called to be peacemakers. And what that means is making peace is bringing God into the midst. And by bringing God into a culture that is anti-God, there is going to be uproar and anger. Because making peace is not keeping the peace. Gideon was the original peacemaker. But he discovered that being a peacemaker starts in your own home. Notice he didn't go to war against the Midianites. He didn't go to Midian and start tearing down all their altars of Baal. And all their Asheroth poles. And starting a huge war. No, he started in his own home. And as believers of Jesus Christ, before we go into the world and try to make peace, we have to look at our own home and start to make peace. Gideon's story here shows us that when you make a stand for peace, God is with you. Because even though there was a bounty on his head, eventually things died down. And he, he rose to become the leader of Israel. So I ask you today, what altars do you have in your home? Do you have any altars of Baal? Yeah, you may not, you know, have a have, have some sort of idol worship that's going on in your home where you're, you're bowing down to it each day or you're making sacrifices to it. But what altars do you have in your home that are stopping the peace of God? Let me give you a, an easier way to understand it. What in your home is pushing God out? And what in your home is bringing God in? True Christian worship, true Christ worship, is it the center of your home? Is your home governed by the influences of our present culture? Or is it influenced by the truth of who Jesus is? If there's altars in your home that need to be teared down, you need to be brave like Gideon and say no more. What stand do you need to make to bring peace to your home? And then the final decision or the final thing that happened to Gideon wasn't so much Gideon's decision, but it was God's decision. Because this is what happened after he tore down the altars of Baal in his own home. And, 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 pub, and privately he had built an altar of peace to God. Then we see that when you stand out for peace, God will stand out for you. We haven't got time to read it. It's really interesting reading. So if you have a moment today or tomorrow this week... Read the rest of Judges 6, then read Judges 7 and Judges 8. Because it's an amazing story how God used someone who was the least and insignificant and, 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 he, and he raised him up to be a mighty hero, a mighty leader. And in front of all of Israel, Gideon with 300 men stood up to the mighty armies of the Midianites and defeated them. The story actually starts with Gideon 
having an army of 32,300 men. God said it was too much. So God whittled it down by 22,000. Brought it down to 10,300, but God says that's still too much. So God whittled it down again to just 300 people. And Gideon with his 300 people stood up against an army of about 120,000 and defeated them. Now this isn't like 300 incredible mighty men, you know, like, like, the best the world has ever seen, 300 Dwayne Johnsons, right? You know, so 300 The Rocks against 120 Midian, um, like uh, Minions or whatever, you know, a weak little people. The Midianites had been attacking them and the Israelites were scared of the Midianites. It was a great army. But with 300 people, with God on his side, with God with him, with God for him, and understanding in whom God had called him, Gideon was able to defeat them. See, this is what I know. When you fight for peace, and you search for peace, and you gain peace, losing 99.1% of your army doesn't faze you, for you know God is with you. And for the first time in more than a generation, Israel has And it all started because a young man found his identity in God, believed in God, sought peace in his own life, and then made peace in his home. Gideon's toughest battle was not the day that they went to war against the mighty Midianite army. His toughest battle was correcting the wrongs in his own home. And when you stand out in your own home for the purposes of Christ, then watch and see how God will take care of the rest. Imagine right now if we had peace in our nation. Just imagine. What I mean by peace is not not a lack of war. But if God was in our nation. If as a nation instead of pushing God away, we're pulling God closer. Imagine what your neighborhood would look like. Imagine your friends or your workplace. Imagine our schools, what they would look like. You say, yeah, we can imagine, but that's never going to happen. It's so far-fetched. We're so far away from, 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 from the God of the Bible. Our nation and our cultures have just moved so far away. It's impossible for that ever to happen. But it happened for Gideon. And their nation was worshipping false gods all over the place. But how it started, it started with God looking for someone who would decide to make a stand for him. He stood out from the rest And let me tell you, when you start in your home and you start to make peace in your home, you will stand out from the rest and then watch God do the rest. Let's bow our heads in prayer. That's why your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning.
I know for me, this, this story is so challenging. Because at times I can think, well, yeah, we, we have God in our home. You know, we, we believe in God. We pray. We read our Bible. You know, we, we talk about the things of God in our home. But it's so challenging because I know even in my home, there are things that are pushing God out. And when the things that push God out take precedent over the things that pull God in, then it means there's going to be a lack of peace in my home. And so just before we close and we go have some snowballs, I just want to challenge you. What is in your home right now that can be considered an altar of Baal? What is destroying peace in your home right now? Only you know that. I can make some suggestions, but I'm not going to. Because that's a personal question. And only you would know what is pushing God out. So I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray for our homes. I'm going to pray for our families today. If you're here with your family today, then I would ask as I pray, if you want to just get together and pray together as a family. If you're not here with your family, then pray for your family. Pray for your home. Because this is what I know, when peace starts in the home, peace spreads to our neighborhood and it spreads to our workplaces and it spreads to our community and it spreads to our school. And those who will stand out for peace like Gideon did, God will stand out for them when the time comes. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the peace of God. We thank you that you are for us, not against us. We thank you that you are with us and you will not forsake us. We thank you that you call us your own. You've called us to great things. That we are not insignificant and weak in your sight. But we, like Gideon, are heroes. We are strong and we are mighty and we are significant. We thank you for the identity we have in you not the identity what this culture calls us. We thank you that you look upon us and you are pleased with us. You delight in us. We thank you, Lord, that you want to use us for your purposes. And this morning, we just thank you for the way you look upon us. We believe in you. We believe in the great things that you have for us. 
in all that you, you want to do in and through us. And we believe in the great things that you have. And in this moment, Lord, we make peace in our hearts with you. We build up an altar and we call it Yahweh Shalom in this place. For God, we do not want to push you out. We want to bring you in. And we know true peace happens when God is in the midst. And so, Father, we make peace. Even at times when it seems like there is no peace around us, we will still make the decision to build peace in our hearts. And Lord, we look at our homes. We lift our families up to you. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that we will be peacemakers in our homes and in our families. That we will not be so concerned in just keeping the peace. But Lord, that we will truly be peacemakers and we will bring God into our home, bring God into our living room, and bring God into our bedroom, into our kitchen, into our basement. God, bring God into our kids' lives, into our husbands' lives, or our wives' lives. Bring God, Lord Jesus, into the things that we do every day. For we know when we choose to make peace in our homes, then you will stand out for us. And so, Father, this morning, we just ask that we will find peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding that will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus as we stand out for you. So, Lord, show us how to make peace. And then when we make peace, Lord, we ask that you will be with us. We ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go make peace this week in all that you do and watch what God will do. Be inspired by the story of Gideon. We'll see you next week for part two of Standout.